0: I don't know about you guys, but I do like that song. There's never been another king like this. Well, happy Mother's Day Monday. I love Cowboy Junction for a whole lot of reasons, but one of my favorites is that we get to celebrate holidays Twice. We get to celebrate them on Sunday and Monday, so I've had two Mother's Days, and I am all right with that, so I'm so glad that you guys are joining us tonight. We're so grateful for those of you that are joining us online. We're so glad that you're here. My name's C.G., and I'm on staff here at Cowboy Junction, and it's always an honor and a privilege to get this opportunity. It's also one of the most humbling things in the world. We have the, the most incredible pastors on the planet, and I say it every time, and not just because Pastor Ty's in the room, but... Um, I'm so grateful for our pastors and our leaders and and Pastor Heather last week didn't she do an awesome job last week? Were you guys able to be here? I have to tell you if you did hear the message you're going to get this if you didn't you need to go back and listen to it but I have practiced giving up before I quit while working on this message quite a bit this week I'll have you know so um, anyway, today is a special day because it is Mother's Day Monday at Cowboy Junction and we just want to celebrate all of the moms. Um, gosh, we wouldn't be here without you. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for um, all the things that you do behind the scenes. We are just, you, every single one of you matters so much. You are so valuable. I hope that you know that you are seen and that you are known and that you are loved by a really good God and by a church family, too, that loves you. So thank you so much. But I also can't skip over without recognizing the fact that Mother's Day holds a lot. There's a lot of emotions attached to Mother's Day, whether um, you may have experienced great loss or maybe you are in that waiting period of dreaming of wanting to be a mom. And that's an unfulfilled dream at this point in your life. And I remember that all too well. And can I just say to you, too, that you are seen and you are known and you are loved by a good, good God and by a church family that loves you, too? And I just have been praying for you all week that you feel God's presence tonight in a really special way, that there's something that he just really does something sweet in your heart and um, that you know how loved you are and that he promises that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And can I just tell you something else that I want you to hear? You count. You count. So there you go. Cowboy Junction, real quick before we move on. Would you help me, real quick, just go crazy for him and honor all of the moms in the place tonight? We do have a gift for you as you leave today. They will, all the ushers and greeters will be standing out there with a ticket to Little Bits Donut trailer. I mean, does it get any better than free donuts for Mother's Day, right? And on top of that, Tierney always makes them 100% fat free in the center, so you can get some donuts. But in honor of Mother's Day, I have some mom jokes for you. They're like dad jokes, only better. So, and you're Monday night, so y'all are going to have to help me, okay? You got to laugh. All right, here we go. Two children ordered their mother to stay in bed one Mother's Day morning. As she laid there looking forward to breakfast in bed, the smell of bacon floated up from the kitchen. But after a good long wait, she finally decided that she needed to go downstairs and check out what was going on to investigate. She found both of her children sitting at the table eating bacon and eggs. One of her children explained, as a surprise for Mother's Day mom, we decided to cook our own breakfast. (laughs) Thank you. Good work, Camden. Backing me up. A kid asked his dad, Dad, what's a man? The dad says, a man is someone who is responsible, hardworking, and cares for their family. The kid says, one day I hope I can be a man, just like mom. (laughs) Last one, what three words? solves dad's every problem. Ask your mother. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Camden. On that note, we probably ought to pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight, for this opportunity to be here, God. And Lord, Mother's Day is so special and it's the, all of that is so incredible, but more than that, God, I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to be here tonight to spend some time in your presence, to spend some time in your word, and I pray that you would take All of this that I feel like you've placed on my heart, and you would make it yours, whether it's in my notes or not, whether I've practiced it or not. But I just pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would be 100% from you, and that you would use it and make it exactly what you want it to be, God. I pray you would anoint tonight, and I pray that you would give each of us ears to hear and hearts to be receptive to the word that you have for us. Use tonight, in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said... Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, in the first six verses of Matthew chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll open that up to Matthew chapter 18, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can stop by the Connect booth before you leave. But you also, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen. So verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child... He put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That escalated kind of quickly, didn't it? you may be thinking, um, this is a rather interesting text for Mother's Day, CG, and I would agree with you. I have had several conversations with the Lord about, aren't you sure, God, that you don't don't want to talk about like 10 great ways to be a good mom or 10 wonderful ways that we can honor our mom, and I just could not get this idea of what it meant to be childlike off my head and off my heart, and so that's what we're going with tonight. And this message, I don't believe is just for moms, but I do believe that As moms, you should be able to relate almost better than anybody about what childlike behavior looks like. Unfortunately, we can also relate to what childish behavior looks like, too. But so the title of tonight's message is Like a Child. And there's so many places in Scripture where we hear about children or being childlike or children in the kingdom of God. And we're reminded to be childlike. So this story that we just read in Matthew chapter 18, it's also found in Mark 9 and Luke 9. And then there's also where Jesus talks about children and the kingdom of God, which is found in Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke 18, just in case y'all need it for homework this week. And in Mark 10, I'll read you just a little piece of what it says there. Mark chapter 10 verse 13. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, "Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them." For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So I would say that we could easily say that it's obviously important, this concept of being childlike and the kingdom of God, children and the kingdom of God, is something that is important to Jesus, which should mean that it should be important to us too. So... We're going to dive in. Here we go. Back to Matthew chapter 18 verse 1. We're going to read it again. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" If you read this part of the story in Mark 9, you learn that they there was actually a dispute happening among the disciples. They were arguing about who the greatest was. And then Jesus goes and kind of calls them out on it. It's like, "Hey, what were y'all talking about?" And they didn't even want to tell him, you know, which I wouldn't either, you know, to get caught arguing um, in front of Jesus, that'd be a bit embarrassing, but I couldn't help but think what that argument might have looked like, you know, uh, James says, I'm the greatest, and Peter says, no, I'm the greatest, and John jumps in and says, but I'm the one that Jesus loves, and he's always got to throw that in there, you know, and, um, and then I couldn't help but think, we know what Jesus did, but what would a mom had done, have done in this situation, and I believe that a mom probably would have put him in a get-along shirt, have y'all seen those? I think we have a picture. Can you picture him? I can guarantee you that if Pinterest would have been around when I was a kid, my sister and I would have spent a lot of time in one of those shirts. I'm afraid it may not be too late for us. There's a few times I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I just thought it was kind of funny thinking about what that must have looked like with the disciples arguing, you just had to throw that in there. So completely free. So this argument about who the greatest was was something that was rather common amongst the disciples. This wasn't the only place that you find them talking about who the greatest was. Actually, at the last supper, supper in Luke chapter 22, there was another dispute that arose among them. So in Luke 22, verse 24, it says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise Lord over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves? And then we also know that the disciples uh, James and John, their mom, actually asked Jesus one time, can my son sit next to you in your kingdom? Can they be considered the greatest? This, this, uh, this argument, this wanting, this pursuit of greatness was something that was so common. They wanted to know who's the best, who's the strongest, who will have the best position and the highest status, who will have the authority and the control, who will get the res- recognition and the glory, who will be the leader And what do I need to do to earn it? And I don't know about you, but it's easy for me sometimes to look at situations like this and think, those silly disciples. I mean, why were they always upset about stuff like this? But when we really think about it, I think we can relate more than we realize. Their motivations were driven by personal ambition, self-promotion, self-reliance, self-centeredness, and a what-about-me mentality. And you may be saying, but, C.G., I'm not trying to be great or I'm not great, I know I'm not. But let me ask you a few questions and see if you relate to any of these. Do you ever feel like you're striving for status? Looking for accolades or recognition? Are you ever living for likes or followers? Trying to be super mom? Has your value or identity ever been attached to your success? Have you ever had a I have to earn it or I deserve it mentality? Or even, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I can never be used by God because I'm not great enough. Or what about the ones that say, I want to be in control. I can do it on my own. I got this. It's all about me, all about I. I won't sing it. I don't want to run y'all. We live in a competitive, aggressive, self-reliant, get-ahead kind of world. We live in constant comparison whether we want to or not. And we find ourselves in this same pursuit of greatness, just like the disciples did sometimes. And we can miss what true greatness looks like right in front of us. And the disciples were missing it. First of all, they thought that Jesus was going to establish an earthly kingdom. What they were picturing that Jesus was going to do looked completely different than what Jesus did. He did so much more than establish an earthly kingdom. And then here they are. They're asking Jesus, the greatest of all time, who the greatest was going to be. And on top of that, Jesus had been telling them, here I am, I'm fixing to, to give my life, I'm fixing to die. He's trying to explain this to them. And instead of them asking, what can I do? What can I do to be there? What, what's my role in, in helping at this point in time? They begin to turn it to them and start asking, what about me? But this is where Jesus is just like Jesus is. And he has a real life illustrated sermon. And he brings up a kid, a child. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 2, it says, in calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And this was completely opposite than what great looked like to the disciples because children were valued primarily for the benefit that they brought to the family by enhancing the workforce they added to the defensive power of the household and then they also helped guarantee the future glory of the household name they had no rights or significance apart from their future value to the family and they were powerless in society but yet jesus celebrated their dependency and their humility that can come from a child's Weakness, defenselessness, and vulnerability. So, I believe there's a whole lot we can learn from what it looks like to be like a child. I think we can learn that we can be like a child in our dependency on God. A child is 100% dependent on their parents, right? For everything, their food, their needs, everything. But even further than that, like, they don't even get to make any part of the plan for the next day. They're, they can't transport themselves. They are 100% dependent on their parents for everything, whether they want to or not, whether they like it or not. And I feel like we can learn so much from what it looks like to be like a child in how we depend on God, in how we trust, in how we live surrendered, in how we we just um, live out like, God, I, I don't understand always what you're doing. I, this, sometimes this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to live surrendered and fully dependent on you whether I like it or not. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is an awesome scripture memory verse if you're looking for one. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Another way I believe that we can be like a child is in our humility. James 4.10 says to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humility is one of those things that's easy to talk about but not always easy or fun to live out. Am I right? But Pastor Ty spoke a few weeks ago and talked about, he started his whole message off talking about, it's not about you. It's not about me. It is about us living our life for his glory, to point to Jesus. That is why we are here. It is not about us. And humility is one of those things that while it may not be fun to walk out, it is so important. We've gotten to witness here lately a little bit of childlike humility because we signed our three-year-old son case up for T-ball. Don't ask me what we were thinking, we don't know. Um, But we played T-ball with a bunch of three and four-year-olds and uh, to get to watch them play t-ball now I we take things pretty serious like we were supposed to work hard and do our best and all those things and you would think that when it was their turn to bat that they would want to hit the ball as hard and as far as they could or run as fast as they could to the base or be the one that gets the ball and I can tell you right now that Case and most of the other children playing could care less about how hard they hit the ball or how fast they run he was only concerned about what snack he was going to get after the game (laughs) because it wasn't about him. He just, he he didn't care how good or great he was. And I love watching that humility play out um, like that in a child. And then last one, I believe we can be like a child in our desire to learn and to grow. The favorite, the most popular word in our house right now is why, 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 why? Because kids are like sponges, and they want to learn, and they want to grow, and they're constantly looking for more information to figure out how to grow. And God wants the same for us, too. In Proverbs 1-7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We're supposed to want to learn and to grow and become, to grow up in our faith, to become who God wants us to be, to be okay with God constantly molding us and shaping us and teaching us how to be the people that he's called us to be. So a child looked completely opposite and completely different than what these disciples thought that greatness looked like. But I think we can take a whole lot away from what a childlike faith looks like in our life. It's that upside-down kingdom that Pastor Ty talked about a few weeks ago. It was all opposite. It was all upside-down. The things that we think are great are not what Jesus says is great. The things that the world says we should strive for and reach for are not what Jesus says we should reach for. For instance, the world says status, but Jesus says the least of these. The world says the leader, but Jesus says a servant. The world says to promote yourself, but Jesus says to humble yourself. The world says to strive, but Jesus says to abide. The world says you've got to be driven, but Jesus says to be devoted. The world says to earn it, but Jesus says that it's a free gift that you can't earn. And the world says you've got to be strong, but Jesus says that when we're weak, that's when he is strong. It's completely opposite. So, how do we become like a child? And it's kind of confusing a little bit, too, because it's like when Nicodemus asked Jesus, "Um, so am I supposed to re-enter my mother's womb? I don't understand what it means to be born again. And it's not to, you may be thinking, well, am I just supposed to think less of myself, quit trying, not care anymore, start throwing fits on the floor? Please don't do that. There's a big difference between being childlike and being childish. And 1 Corinthians even says that we've got to put away childish things. We're supposed to mature, but to become childlike, it says in Matthew 18, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. And in studying this week, the those words, to turn and become, mean that conversion moment, that moment that we turn from our selfish ambition, our selfish, self-reliance, self-centeredness, and choose Jesus, that moment that we choose to accept that free gift of salvation, to become a child of God, um, to be adopted as one of God's kids. And there's so many incredible things that come with being a child of God. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, but I'm only going to talk about four things tonight as a child of God. It's not about who you are, but whose you are, because that changes everything. When it It's no longer about the name that I'm going to make for myself, but it's all about who I belong to. It changes everything about how I live my life. Your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. Also, as a child of God, you have access to the Father. There is no one who has access to us like our kids do. And we have access to the Father because of what Jesus did for us. We don't have to make sacrifices and take him to the priest and let the priest take him into the Holy of Holies in order for us to um, have any type of relationship or conversation with God. We're able to go right straight smack dab into the throne room of God with everything because he wants to be in relationship with us. And because of what Jesus did for us, you have access to the Father. And that's a pretty big deal. And then also, as a child of God, you can know that you are seen, and you are known, and you are uniquely loved. I only have one kid, so he gets all of our love. But those of you that have multiple kids, I know that it's not that you have a favorite. It's that you know how to uniquely love your kids. You have a unique love for each one of them. And God loves us so much, it even goes as far to say that he knows the number of hairs that you have on your head. That's how unique his love is for us. And that's pretty incredible. And last one, as a child of God, you can know that you are not alone. He promises to never leave us and never forsake us. He's with us. And um, back to T-ball, one of our very first games, these three- and four-year-olds, it was I I, I think it was maybe the very first game, and they lock us outside the fence. We can't help. The parents have to stay outside, you know, and uh, they've just put their gloves on and their little hats on, and they've run them out there, and they're telling them where to stand in the outfield, and Case is kind of out there all by himself, and we're watching him, and he wasn't crying or upset, but he started going, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And Clay finally kind of ran over to the fence and got his attention and gave him a thumbs up. Case locked eyes with him and gave him a thumbs up. Case gave him a thumbs up back. And it was like, we were good after that. We were okay. We just needed to know that we weren't alone. And you can keep your eyes fixed on your father just like that and know that you are not alone. Even when you may feel like you're out in the middle all by yourself and you have no earthly idea what you're doing you can guarantee that your father's watching you, and you're not alone. Keep your eyes on him. So, I want today to just be one of those moments that we kind of examine our heart a little bit and figure out, where am I at? What, what could I maybe ask God to work on me a little bit in these areas? What can I give to him? We have talked about what true grace, greatness looks like. Talked about what it means to be like a child. But then when we read the last part of this little passage... It gets kind of serious. And so in Matthew chapter 18, 5 through 6, it says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. A millstone was a large stone that had to be pulled by a donkey. And I don't know the full Probably, I don't have the full understanding of all that Jesus is talking about in here, but I sure don't want to uh, experience the consequences of what he's talking about because I feel like this is, he's saying, listen, it is serious. It's serious, the influence that we have on people. And this isn't just talking about children. The, when it refers to little children, it's talking to both children and to the children of God, to both to followers of Jesus. And so we have to recognize that the influence that we have is a big deal. And it's serious. We're all influencing someone. And I know it's easy to say sometimes like, "Um, but I'm not the one on the platform or I'm not the one with the microphone or nobody needs to follow me. I live by the do as I say, not as I do motto, right? But whether you want to or not, People are watching you, and you do have an influence, and it's important, and it is a big deal, and we have to just stop. Pastor Ty would say, let's call a timeout and examine for a minute. What does our influence look like, and who are we pointing to Jesus? How are we pointing to Jesus? Because it is a big deal. I was just thinking back this week about all the incredible influences I've had in my life. I've been so blessed, and I'm so grateful for some incredible influences. I um, had incredible kids' church pastors. When I was seven and a half years old, we went to Gospel Lighthouse in Lovington, New Mexico, and uh, Raymond and Gina Anderson were my kids' church pastors, and that was where I accepted Jesus. It was February 18th with my kids' church pastors. I'll never forget it, and I'm so grateful that they were willing to serve and be an influence in my life when I was seven years old. But then I went on to have incredible youth pastors and now pastors and friends and mentors and countless people in my life that I could say have been incredible influences in my life that I'm so grateful for. But if I could pick one person that's made one of the big, had one of the biggest influences on in my life, it would be my mom. And I feel like it's Mother's Day, it's only appropriate that I'm able to talk about my mom and the influence that she's had in my life. And I would also say that she doesn't love the fact that I'm talking about her and that she's far from perfect. You, you guys are Monday nighters. Y'all know her. You know, you know that's the truth. And that I would kind of struggled a little bit with this because I didn't want it to become about her. But I did want to give an illustration, a way to say, like, for you to see how powerful and important that influence is and to also know that it's not too late for you to have that kind of influence in the lives of the people around you. And so my mom, she grew up in a great home, great family, but they didn't know the Lord. They didn't go to church. Maybe Christmas and Easter, that was about it. Uh, Went off to college, made decisions. She would say she has a past and won't tell me what it includes, you know, that kind of past. Um, there's, There's all those things. Didn't know Jesus, and when she was early 30s, She met Jesus at Cheyenne at the rodeo at a church service, raised her hand and asked Jesus to come into her heart and begin following him. And just because she made that decision that day didn't mean that she had all the answers or that she knew what she was doing or that she understood all that the Bible had to say, but she started taking one step after one step to follow Jesus. And so I had the opportunity to watch her pursue Jesus, to watch her learn and grow and be in her word, to have us in church every single time the doors were open. Um, our, some of our biggest arguments when I were a kid was um, whether it was the Sunday I had to wear a dress or not because it was like every other Sunday. One Sunday I had to wear a dress and one I didn't have to wear a dress. And uh, those were my favorite Sundays when I could wear my jeans. And But she had us in church. And I, to watch her pursue Jesus has made such an incredible influence on my life. And then to watch her depend on him when she was a single mom, and I didn't even realize how hard things really were for us. I didn't know how hard she was, it was, was to make it at the time. And I'll never forget one day our washing machine broke, and it was kind of like the washing machine along with all sorts of other things that she didn't know how to pay for and didn't know how to fix. And I can still see it, It's clear, it's so crystal clear in my mind, her taking both of her hands and laying it on our washing machine and praying out loud that Jesus would fix our washing machine because she didn't have anybody else or any other means to get it fixed. That kind of faith that influenced my life in such a big way and the washing machine started working, but that's not the part that I remember. It was her faith in that moment to depend on God no matter what. And then she taught me and influenced my life in a lot of ways and what it looks like to be a rebounder and what it looked like to mess up and make mistakes, big and small, and be quick to say, I was wrong or I'm sorry. One day we were trying to load some calves. We had been roping and we had to take them somewhere. It was just the two of us. And they were holsting, so they were stupid. And they kept turning around. And there was this one calf that kept, turning around and about running over us and one time he did and kind of ran into mom with the hot shot and she said something along the lines of you little and I can't say that word in church and she immediately stopped and said CG, I'm so sorry used to that was just part of what I did and what I said and and sometimes it's still when I get bumped that's what comes out but that's not who I want to be God's changed me I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and But I'm not afraid to tell you that I messed up and that I'm sorry. And then I've also got to watch her. She's influenced my life and how she stepped out in faith. She was still a single mom, teaching in the public school system, two years away from retirement. And she felt God's call in her life to start a Christian school. And she gave up all of that, the security, the promise of retirement, all the stuff, to say, I know that this is what God's called me to do and I'm going to step out and do it. And I continue to get to have a front row seat to watch her have a kingdom influence. And I'm so grateful. But like I said, I'm only sharing this story with you because, well, it's Mother's Day and I thought it was appropriate. But I feel like when it comes to us, sometimes we think I can never have an influence or CG, I've messed up too bad or I've gone too far. And there's a few things I want you to know. First of all, when it comes to influence, you have to recognize That you have influence. Whether you want to or not, somebody's watching you. Secondly, it is not too late. No matter where you're at, you have not gone too far. God can still use you. Pastor Ty says all the time, if you're able to do this, you still have influence. He's still got a call in your life. And you can start with the people around you. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to have influence. Start with who you live with. Moms, those tiny disciples that you're raising, you have an incredible opportunity to be an influence in their life. And then we've got to remember that we've got to stay connected with Jesus because we can't make it happen on our own. We have to stay connected. We have to, be, um, we have to let fruit happen I told everybody that I want to be somebody that stays so connected to Jesus that I just slosh Jesus everywhere I go. But that doesn't happen without us staying connected to the vine because he's the one that makes fruit happen. And then I think when it comes to influence, you can maybe take some time to examine your heart and say, what breaks my heart? What am I passionate about? If you love it, you'll do it. If you hate it, you'll change it. And if you cry over it, you'll heal it. Something we say around here quite a bit. What is it that you're passionate about? Because maybe that might be the place that you can have a really incredible influence. And then lastly, if you still can't figure out, man, I want to have influence, but I'm not real sure where or how, I've got an idea. Pray about serving in kids' church. We're talking about kids, we're talking about influence. And I'm not kidding around with it. That's an incredible place to have influence. If you've been thinking, man, I'd really like to do something, I don't know what, pray about it. Because Kids Church may be a really great place to get involved. Unless you're bad with kids, and then we don't, don't get involved in Kids Church. So let me remind you, your life matters, and what you are doing matters. And it is a big deal. It's serious. And somebody's watching you. As we close today, um, I just wanted to share a couple more things. We went on a mom and I went on a trip recently, and we were eating dinner the first night, and she asked me, she's like, "What is your favorite part about being a mom?" And in the moment, I was like, "Man, I can think of some things I don't love, but really, almost every part of it, I love. I love so many things about being a mom. There's so much I couldn't name anything. And the more I've thought about it and stewed on it the last couple of weeks." I got to thinking about, you know, I think what I love the most is when Case picks me, which is rare because he's a daddy's boy, and he also has some incredible grandparents around that he loves very much, and so I'm pretty far down the totem pole. But when he picks me and wants to be with me and wants to sit with me, there is absolutely nothing like it on the planet. And I feel like God kind of feels the exact same way about us. When we just pick him and say there's nothing else that matters besides you right now in this moment. And that's how we're going to close today. We're gonna, the worship team's going to play one of my favorite songs. It's called Nothing Else. And it says that. Nothing else. Nothing else. I just want you. Even at the beginning it gives us an opportunity to say God forgive me for any time I've made this about me. Forgive me for any time that I've Put my own self, this what about me mentality into the way I'm living my life. Forgive me for the things that maybe the times I didn't walk, it, walk out in humility or that I wasn't fully dependent on you. And help me to become that person that you want me to be. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to worship. But if you're here today and you would say, when you were talking, C.G., about it, to be a child, you have to turn you have to make that moment to repent and, and turn from the selfish ways, to turn from your sin, to follow Jesus. I want to make that decision, decision tonight. I want to choose Jesus. We would love to pray with you. And when the worship team is playing and singing, I'm going to make my way out to the lobby to the Jesus sign. And if you'll just make your way out of your seat and walk right back there, I would love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you. If this is that moment where you would say, I want to choose Jesus. I want to become a child of God. Or maybe you would even say, I've, I've made the decision to follow Jesus, but tonight I need to make that decision to come back home. I would love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you. And then also our prayer team is going to be available. They're going to be standing up here along the front. If you're a part of the prayer team, when we stand, if y'all would come up here, if you need prayer for anything, somebody to be believing with you, agreeing with you, standing in the gap with you, then our prayer team would love to do that. So, Capitol Junction, would y'all stand to your feet? Let's take this moment and just remind ourselves and remind God that there is nothing else that we want but Him.